Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I'm excited to have this beautiful guest on today's podcast. Her name is Alexandra Kazarian, and she's a friend of mine, and she's a very powerful attorney. And you might have seen her on CBS LA, or you might have heard of her from People Magazine or US Weekly or on the Fox News. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about her. She graduated from Pepperdine University School of Law. And Alexandra joined the Los Angeles County Public Defender's Office, where she spent her first eight years of her career trying serious and violent felony cases to juries. Now, she now has uh, come to GNG after establishing her own practice where her aggressive, unflinching, and successful defense of her clients earned her the respect of her colleagues and adversaries. As a result, she is sought out by news and media agencies to comment and explain today's bombshell cases as an expert in the legal field. She appears regularly on the nightly news as a legal analyst for CBS LA, has provided hours of live analysis alongside Sharon Tay and Jeff Michaels during Brett Kavanaugh, Supreme Court confirmation hearing and has been quoted extensively in People Magazine, U.S. Weekly, and on Fox News. Currently of counsel to GNG, she handles a criminal caseload alongside Mark Garagos and his team of seasoned trial attorneys defending the constitutional rights of the accused in every type of case imaginable. She is definitely a superpower. She's an incredible human being, and I'm super excited to have her here and to call her a friend of mine. So without further ado, this is Alex. Welcome, welcome, Alex, to Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. Uh, thank you so much. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so happy that you thought of me. Oh, of course. I, let me tell you something, Alex. When 
obviously we've been friends for some time now. And what I love about you is that you're very genuine. Like you're not no filters. Like you are who you are. You meet you and you're like, Oh, she actually is that way. She's funny and charismatic and smart. And so I love that about you. And I really wanted you to be on this podcast, especially girl, given all these TikToks that you're doing, I'm like, this girl's handling it, handling it in a different way because lawyers don't do that and they should, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they should. And, and you know, I, I don't have the ability to really put a filter on and be somebody else in front of people. And sometimes it does get me in trouble because I do just say things and I don't really think ahead about how, who the person is in front of me and how they're going to react to it. I do do that at work. I do. When I walk into a courtroom, I'm a completely, I'm not, you know, TikTok <laughs> all the time, but you know, if I can get the vibe from the judge or from a jury that they're going to appreciate it, then it'll slip out a little bit. But because I have to be so controlled inside of the courtroom all the time, once I step out, I just don't have the desire. I don't have an army and we call it the Havas, like that, that desire to just like put on a front and be someone else. So my outside life, you, you get what you get and you know, you don't get upset. Yes. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I always say that the opinions of others has nothing to do with you. It doesn't. Yeah. And right. And one of the things that I have to remind myself sometimes is what other people say about you is none of your business. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's their perception and it's how they're dealing with the world and you are in control of your own life. Completely. And, Completely. and that helps me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Cause you know, we all have choices and I think a lot of people don't believe they do, but they you do. have a choice to be happy. And I choose that every single day. Amen. Amen to that. Choose- Sometimes many times a day. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Right. Okay. So before, you know, you became an attorney, obviously you're born and raised here in LA, right? In Whittier. Yeah. Whittier, California, amigas. So tell us a little bit about you because I want amigas to have some perspective, some background on your family life. So you were born in, and raised in Whittier, California. So are your parents attorneys? Give us a little. No, they're not. Yeah. No, my parents were county employees. My dad was a politician my whole life. He ran for Congress a couple of times, came really close, but then decided that he wanted to be behind the scenes. And so he was chief of staff to um, state senator for a long time. And my mom has always been a continuation high school teacher. And so they, public service is in their blood. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wanted, I was going to be an actress. I was <laughs> going to go on Saturday Night Live. That was my trajectory. <laughs> well, you could still be on do. SNL. You could still yeah. be on SNL, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. If Kim K can, I can too. But, uh, that's what all I wanted to do. But my dad said, look, the one thing that I regret in my life, is that I didn't go to law school. Cause if I did, then, you know, maybe I would have made it to Congress or I'd have more of a you know, plan for the rest of my life after politics. So please just go to law school and then do whatever you want. So that was my plan. But when I went to law school, I interned at the public defender's office, actually here in this building, I'm in a courthouse right now. And we had a family member that was working there. And I thought, I'm not doing this to be another county employee. I don't want to, I don't even really want to be a lawyer, but if I'm going to be a lawyer, then I better be like a, you know, successful one, not a county employee. I came and within two days, I thought this, this criminal defense life 
is exactly everything I want. It's performance. You've got to be smart. You've got to be on your toes. You're making an impact on people's lives. You're hopefully you're making people feel good at the end of the day. Um, you know, your clients. And so it was everything that I wanted from a performative career and also with the added ability that people would think I'm smart. So I was like, you know what? I like this. And so I fell into it and I loved it. And I was a public defender for eight years until I decided that I needed to move on. And so now I'm doing private criminal defense and civil. Nice. Okay. But was there any thought of like doing other than criminal? I mean, like, did you think, oh, well, there's, there's immigration, there is, there's civil, there's family law. Was it always just criminal? I didn't because I didn't really think that I was going to be an attorney because my parents were not, I don't have people close in my family that are. And so I didn't have anything really to look towards as like, you know, I I didn't know any immigration attorneys or civil attorneys or anything like that. I've always known Mark, who's my business partner now, but not, I only watched him do criminal defense. And so I just didn't see myself in any of those roles. I didn't know anybody in any of those roles. And so once I saw this and I saw people that were my peers doing it, I thought I could do this and I, and I enjoy it and I like it. And so that it just, I fell into it and it became my calling. Nice. Nice. Well, thank God for people like you. Now it's a, you know, criminal defense can weigh heavy, like literally, because I mean, you're really the point person, right? And how do you handle that? For me, every single day, my goal is to be there for my client on what is always the worst day of their life. So Mm -hmm. I'm just there to try to guide my client that day through that day. And then we'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. But if I can just make my clients day better by being there for them, then then it's a success. I can't think about the fact that if I mess up today, my client might go to prison for the rest of their life. Like that can't weigh heavy on your head. You've got to compartmentalize. You've got to break it down into tiny little tasks. So today to help my client, I'm going to do this. And then tomorrow I'm going to do this. And if we have to go to trial, then all the little things that I've done leading up to that trial will all come together in that that big performance for the jury to show them the person that I know my client is. So it's, it's just, you got to break it down into little things or else you're going to get completely overwhelmed. Yeah. I can imagine that because snap snapshots are a lot better in terms of handling things versus yeah. like, because if you be macro in everything that you do, it's going to overwhelm you. 100%. And, and overshadow your abilities and, you know, and then also, you know, to the detriment of your client. I love what you're saying. Okay. So is there like a particular way that you handle that compartmentalizing? Is there like, okay, you do a meditation or do you, is there like something in your life that you do to help you in that regard? Um, you know, I just saw the new Thor movie and there was a really funny line that I died about because I, it, I res- it resonated with me where someone asks him, do you do meditation? And he said, I did. I did a lot of meditation and I found it made me angrier. (laughs) (laughs) Like me too. I can't meditate. I've tried so many times. No, but I do like visualization. I like, when I get a case, somebody comes to me, you know, John Smith comes to me and he says, you know, I've got this, let's go big. You know, I'm charged with murder. And, you know, maybe I, I did do something that led to somebody dying, but it's not murder. 
And so, you know, it's a hard case and you've got to work on this with me. I start from the end and I, you know, start from the very end and work backwards. You know, what's our big theory of defense? And then how do we get somebody to understand that? Is it something that a regular person would understand in that situation? And if not, how do we get them to understand that this person found themselves in that situation? And then work backwards from there. What do I need to do to get to the week before trial? What do I need to do to get, you know, and then work backwards? And so then I start there. And that's what helps me. Ah. I love that you're saying about visualization because I think a lot of it has to do with that. When you visualize, you actually start manifesting your outcome. Exactly. Uh I believe that 100%. Visualization and role-playing is visualizing it from your perspective, but also visualizing it from your opponent's perspective so that you can manifest the way that they deal with it. Because if you can manifest yourself all day long. You, I know what I'm going to do. But if I don't think about what I'm going to do and the effect on who I'm trying to do it to, then I, it's too one-sided and you're not going to get exactly what you want. So like with clients too, I'll always put a number in my head. Like this month, I want to earn this much money. Okay, great. Well, if I just walk away, then like who cares? But what am I going to do to do that? Right. What am I going to do so that I can be visible so that people will trust me when they do see me and you know what do they need to see from me so that I can put that out there so you've got to visualize both sides so I always visualize the prosecution too what are they I'm gonna tell the jury this what are they gonna come back with right right well that's why you're top of the line girl Awesome. I love there's too much happening inside my head. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, that's what happens when you have some high achieving, high performance individuals. You've got a lot in your head and you got to break it down. And visualizing, I think, really assists in that endeavor of breaking it down and making it happen, not only for you, but for your client. Now, how do you handle cases that can weigh heavy on you? And I'm just speaking in terms of like, for instance, like myself, also being an attorney, what I have found that weighed heavy on me where I would be like, this is a non-negotiable. I am not going to go this route. Sure. For me, it's always been about kids. Yeah. And, and that to me, I'm like, I'm not taking a kid case. I'm not going to be involved in that. Do you have non-negotiable kind of cases? So I don't have non-negotiable cases because I... I my role is to defend somebody's rights and and it takes a very specific person to understand that that role doesn't change no matter who the person is sitting next to you. But if my client can't visualize with me, if my client can't pay attention when I'm trying to work through the case, and when I say can't pay attention, I don't mean like a developmental disability. I mean somebody that is actively fighting me when I am explaining to them how we are going to deal with this case. If they think, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do it my way. That's the kind of a case that I can't do. And I've learned the hard way that no matter how much they're paying, because a lot of time, high worth clients want to be very, very much in control of their case. And they, they are their own worst enemy. And so I've learned the hard way that, that it, there is no amount of money that is worth it if it's the kind of client that's going to fight my vision of the case. And they're always welcome to come with me on the journey. But if you're stopped 
and you won't walk forward with me, then I'm not, that's the case I'm not taking. And if you absolutely have no, if you can't look inward and like, the kind of person that says, I don't know why I am here. I'm not a criminal. I don't know why people are accusing me of this. How dare they accuse me of this? You have no self-reflection on how you got yourself here. That's the kind of case that I won't take because I can't convince a jury that you're the person that should either be forgiven or that the juror could see themselves in your shoes. If you're just adamant that you're the victim and that everyone else surrounding you is attacking you. So that's, that's the kind of case I can't take because I need, I need you to be relatable no matter what the situation is. And some people that are just not meant to be found not guilty have that personality. Yeah, I can see that because, you know, you're zealously advocating the position of your client and you, it's a partnership. Yeah. And I need credibility. I need the jury to believe that I believe what I'm saying. If I can't, if I can't feed them something that I can relate to, then I'm not going to do anybody any good. And I'm going to annoy everybody. And if I'm out there being insincere and my client gets sentenced, you better believe that my judge is going to take it out on my client because he doesn't like me and what I've done. My client thinks that I've wasted, if the judge thinks I've wasted everybody's time because my client is forcing me to, then they're going to take it out on my client. Oh, absolutely. 1000%. And I think that's, that's a a great thing to say because I believe oftentimes um, clients think that lawyers can create miracles. If you're insincere, that's going to show. I mean, I know that in my practice, I mean, I've had clients where I'm like, wait a minute, you told me this and I believe you. Yeah. Now you want me to tell the judge something else? Yeah. So it's interesting because it is a relationship and it's, and you know, when you self-sabotage, you're going to sabotage the entire thing. Yeah. And if you're narcissistic and think that this is all about you and people attacking you, then, you know, why would a juror want to come in and take time off of their, out of their life to hear about what a victim you are as a defendant? Like it's not going to, it's not going to resonate with them at all. Right. Because, you know, the choice is that you, you were at a certain location where this thing happened. I mean, unless you literally were laying in your bed and picked up out of your bed, you know, it, there's a, there's a good chance that somewhere, somewhere along the line, there was a choice that led you down here. Yeah. You may not need to be punished for what happened all the way down here, but somewhere down here, you can say, Mia culpa, you know, this happened, which led to this, but it's not a crime because it started over here. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Love that. Hello, 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 Migas. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I wanted to tell you a little bit about a free master class coming up. July 26, 27, and 28. They're at various times. And basically, this is a free master class, and I'll be teaching you the Amiga formula. And many times people have been asking me, like, what is this formula? So it's the Amiga formula that I have implemented in my cases as a lawyer and also as a transformational life coach. And um, I added the last element which is the alignment into this formula. 
and it has been received very well. And I have a lot of testimonials because I have Amigas who used this formula, used the Amiga Way Academy, and has up-leveled their life to levels that they never dreamed of before. And so I really have honed in on this formula for some years now. And it wasn't until 2017 that I really dug really deep into my heart and my soul and realized that there was a missing component to the formula. And since then, I added it and it's the alignment and I'm ready to show it to you. I've received rave reviews. I am so, so, so eternally grateful, especially because amigas like you who are listening out there in the universe and actually signing up, putting it in the link. Uh, The link is in the show notes, so you can go ahead and register there. And then also you can find it on my website, which is www.jackietapia.com or www.amigahandleyourshit.com. So either way, you'll find it there and looking forward to seeing you there so that you can get some more clarity, some confidence, some certainty and connection. And next week you'll be actually... You'll be learning a little bit more as the week comes along about this process. And I look forward to seeing you there. So please go ahead, pause this recording and register now. Also, I'd greatly appreciate a five-star review and a review on my Apple podcast player. So love to see you there as well. Thank you so much for all the beautiful messages that I receive. And I am so, so enamored with what's going on in our lives because we get to do this as a community. And well, thank you so much for listening. And as you know, here's this link for you so you can register for a masterclass. All right. So you've done so many court cases. I mean, I think you've done over 50 jury trials. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's pretty intense. (laughs) And amazing. Okay. So now you're taking it from the jury. You're done with cases. And now I see you on social media and I'm like, wow, where does this girl get the time to do all these amazing things? So how do you do it? Like you, okay, you switch gears and then you become a social media mogul, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, like, is there like, like you listen to a song and then you're like, oh, I'm going to talk about this or what, what motivates you? So I love Instagram. I love TikTok. I love all that just mindless stupidity sometimes. And it is a lot of fun when you can, and I love to cook. I love to bake. So I really like to watch all the ones where they, they'll do something, but then they'll give you a recipe in there or they'll, they'll teach you things. All the people that are like, yeah, things I wish I knew before I was 30. And it's like a 10 second clip and you learn something. So I will sit there for hours in court. If I'm waiting for my case to be called, <laughs> you know, at night, if I can't sleep, I will scroll for hours and it's just so much fun for me. And I, at first, you know, I thought like, I should do something like this. And it probably took me, I'm not kidding, a year to actually do it the first time. I had Instagram, whatever, but not like the reels where you're like performing or doing something. And so what I did was I started a TikTok 
and just started talking and just saying like, if I was going to give advice and I pretended like I was talking to like my family and, you know, I would say, Oh, you asked me a question. Oh yeah. And then I would just answer the question and little by little, those started taking off. And eventually one of those hit a million and it was like, what should I do the blood or breath test? And it's just me talking in the background. Like I think one of them, I'm like eating spaghetti and I'm just like answering a question. And I just started doing it to get myself comfortable with it. And then that one hit a million. And I was like, oh my God, people actually enjoy this format. So on TikTok now, I'll just, if somebody brings up something during the day, anytime somebody asks me a question during the day, I'm like, oh, it's probably a question somebody else has. So I'll just go on and answer it. Even I did a couple when I was driving home. It's not a good idea. But I'll just do it. And then like without even thinking about it, it'll take off because there's a lot of people that want answers to those questions. And then on Instagram, I was like, what would happen if I like actually did these stupid reels where I started lip syncing? But I started another account without my name on it, without like any link to me so that people wouldn't be able to like search me and find me. And then every single one of them got like 10,000 views. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to start doing these because people like them. Yeah. So it was all trial and error. And it was all just getting, you know, away from my insecurities and just doing it. Like, just do it. And I did. And and people like it. So I'll keep doing it, I guess. That's right. Amen. So now tell me, of those TikToks, those reels, have any of those become clients of yours? Yeah. Yes. Shut I get people up. calling. I do because I have my phone number right there and they call a lot of, um, a lot of people wanting expungements to clean their records up. A lot of people with DUIs, but yeah, a lot of, yes, people call. Nice. And do you find that DUIs are like your most like common case, if you will? DUIs and domestic violence. Mm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of those. And, and it's not that there's a lot of domestic violence in the world there's a lot of people that get charged with domestic violence and for a lot of different reasons, neighbors might call and say, you know, I can hear people arguing. Somebody might see something, but ever since it sounds silly, but it's true. Ever since OJ Simpson, if there's a domestic violence call, somebody's going to get charged. So there's a lot of false domestic violence cases in the system because the officers will say, I don't know who's at fault, but I'm not going to just walk away. I can't just walk away. Right. So. Yeah. There's a lot of that in the in the system. And then DUIs, people think that they can drive. I know. I There's Uber. Hello, Lyft. <laughs> I remember when Uber got really popular and all the DUI attorneys were devastated. And they were like, we're never going to, we're going to lose our careers. No one's ever going to get a DUI again. Not the case. No, they're just stubborn people who still want to drive their own car. <laughs> yeah. But it's also not like, you know, you hear DUI and you think it's like some sloppy driver, like, oh, whatever. Right. It's. A lot of times it's someone that had an extra glass of wine and waited like half an hour and thinks, okay, I waited and now I'm good to drive. It's actually one of the worst things you can do because you have that glass of wine, then you let it absorb. Now it's in your system and now you're driving. Best thing to do. I mean, I'm not giving advice, but it actually, <laughs> you actually would be better off pounding that glass of wine and then driving your house if it's close. Yeah. Then by the time you get home, it'll absorb. But people think, okay, I'll have one more glass of wine. I'll hang out for a half hour and then I'll get in the car. Yeah. Well, how many of us have done that? <laughs> I mean, I, everyone, 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 everyone. Yes, I know. Oh my goodness. I love this conversation. So I know I've done domestic violence work in the immigration context and family law, and I've seen 
there's been a lot of injustice. I mean, let's just, you know, and yes, people calling on your neighbor and having these accusations. And sometimes even when the vic- the true victim is not really the victim, mm-hmm. that kind of gets a little confusing, right? Yeah. Well, yes, it does. And then when you talk about immigration, there's a lot of U visa issues where you can get a visa if you're a victim of crime. Yeah. And so, you know, you spoke about children cases and how you won't take children cases. I do have cases where I have victims who are alleging abuse and on a child and there's a disclosure that there was a U visa involved and, and there's, you know, there's no physical evidence of any abuse or anything like that, but there's this allegation and it gets charged. And so in those particular cases, I, I do have cases like that. Yeah, no, I know. And, and it's like, uh, I mean, I've done so many U visa cases and I find that the, I actually do a major intense interview with the client because I am not going to go and yeah. put my name on this pleading right. to get you a U visa unless, right. unless we have evidence and proof, not just you saying that you're a victim. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. It could be, it could be really tricky. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited for all the things that you're doing. And, you know, I can't let you go until you give us your one or two tips on how an amiga can handle her shit. I mean, you got to break it down. You got to, you know, sometimes like yesterday I took my kid to basketball practice eight minutes late and it it actually turned out to be 24 hours early because his basketball practice is today. Um, So, I mean, you've just got to break it down. I think writing things down in my, like my planner, like literally getting up in the morning and writing my to-do list for today and for the next seven days really helps me. Like literally looking at a piece of paper that says like from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. This is my day. And then the next seven days, what do I have? That really helps because I don't handle the one area that I don't handle well is friendships. And I, I leave a lot of my girlfriends feeling like I don't care or that like I didn't text them back or that, you know, I show up to the birthday party and I don't have a gift and I promise it's on the way I ordered it. But you know, why didn't you think about this a week before? And so in order for me to like, think about the rest of the month, I've got to look at it every single day. And I have to think, what do I need to do today to be ready for next Sunday? And like my sister's so great at it. She'll just be like, oh yeah, I bought a gift for this thing that's coming up in two months. And I'm like, how do you even think about that today? So I I just try not to focus on just today, break things up into small pieces and forgive yourself too. Like I don't do anything perfectly. My stupid TikToks, I never would have posted if I waited until I got the right one. There's a, I heard, you know, somebody give advice about, TikToks and Instagrams and stuff and said that you should only try three times. And after you've done it over and over three times, then like move on. Because when you go back, you'll see that those three that you thought were terrible actually are, are good and you can pick a good one out of there. So don't waste your time trying to be perfect. And I think that can apply to life. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, being your authentic self is the most important thing. If, it, if you fuck up, that means you fucked up. Who cares? Yeah, but that gets hard too. I don't know. Like, I don't, the being your authentic self advice to me doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good because people get pissed at me when I'm my authentic self. So I'm like, I'm always feeling like I need to be better and I need to just, I think forgive yourself is just better. Just forgive yourself if 
somebody gets their feelings hurt because you're being your authentic self because you didn't, you yeah. didn't mean it. Sometimes yeah. people want you to apologize for being your authentic self. Yeah. So you've got to decide whether you're going to or whether you're not. So you, you can't really tell everyone to just F off and like, this is me. <laughs> Pac-Man. Like, no, well, for everyone. So yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard to be your authentic self. It really is. I think when you're in a very public platform as you are, I think it, it be, is a lot more challenging. I totally, I can, I can see that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think be I, good I, to yourself and be, be your authentic self and be good to yourself are. Yes. There's sometimes they seem to be like mutually, like it's, it's just really hard to be good to yourself. Yeah. So for me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm giving too much away. No, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, I think it, I, I think it just has to do with being women. We're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. You know, and, and oftentimes yeah, it's true. like, you know, we just don't give ourselves enough forgiveness and credit and compassion. Yeah. You know, and, and I think it's important for us as amigas, you know, to be able to, just forgive ourselves if, if need to be forgiven or have compassion for the shit that we make ourselves believe and, and do, yeah. you know, because sometimes it's like, it's on their freaking heads. Yeah. Maybe, maybe forgive yourself is a little too harsh. Maybe just be nice to yourself. Yeah. yeah. Be, be nice yeah. to yourself. Yes. Be nice. Just be nice. No, of course. Yeah. You know. Be nice, be kind and all that stuff. And I love, I love that you break things down into chunks yeah. and it's a good, good tool to have, to be able to break it down because, you know, if you, if you live your life in this whole macro world, you know, it could get overwhelming if you don't break yeah. it down. And, um, it's important not only as a lawyer, but I think in anything that you do, it's important to have your calendar and say, and commit, like, if you have it on your calendar, that means it's going to get done. You yeah. Know? And if you don't have it in your calendar, it's because you, you've been all over the place <laughs> and you're not getting shit done. You're yeah. Not. <laughs> I like the one touch rule too. If you get mail and you need to RSVP, do it as soon as you touch it. Don't put it to the side and say, I'm going to do that later. As soon as you touch it, one touch RSVP. As soon as you see that email, respond. Yeah. Yeah. That helps me too, because otherwise things pile up and my to-do list doesn't help me because there's too much on it. Yeah. But when you have like 200 emails that you got to go through, forget it. I won't even tell you how many I have. <laughs> Thousands. <laughs> you crazy. need an assistant just to look over your emails. Pretty I much. do, but I can't let go of that control. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I know. I know. No, no. Well, my love, thank you so much for being this here. Is great. Thank you so I, much for having I, me. I'm so glad that we were able to coordinate and just align and get you in and your, your break at court. And it, which is fantastic because sometimes, you know, even when you have your breaks at court, it's like, Oh God, you have other people to think about. Are they listening in and all that stuff? But thank you so much for being here on Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima.